How's 11 a.m. doing today? You guys good? It's good to see y'all. Welcome to Victory Hamilton Mill. I want to say welcome to our online family. I don't know if you noticed, we have hundreds that watch us throughout the day. Can we wave and welcome our online family also? Welcome, family. Wherever you're watching us from, we're glad you guys are here. Are you glad to be here? Man, I am glad you're here. And by the way, if we haven't met, my name is Chris. My wife, Lisa, and I are the campus pastors here. Honored to be the campus pastors here and love to meet you real quick right after this service, right after the ministry time in the lobby just to say hello and how you got here. Come on, one more time. Can we give it up for all the lovely people in the room? We love people around here. And we love what God is doing at the Big V. I call it the Big V Victory Church. And right here at the Mill, Victory Hamilton Mill. Listen, church, God is moving. Amen? He is moving, and it's because of prayer. And we're seeing incredible things. That You just heard me talk about it. Last week, just last Sunday, 19 people made decisions for Christ through all three services. Come on, can we give God 19 people? Incredible. And if you made your first-time decision or it's been a long time and you came back to God, next step's water baptism, baby. Get in there and let us celebrate with you. We're so excited for those 19 souls that made decisions for the Lord. And I, I just want to jump right in, excited for the Word today. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm looking to my left over here, and my bride is not in the room yet. She was called in a meeting she is my cheerleader and my intercessor, so I'm calling on some cheerleaders and intercessors in the room to help me preach, all right? Come on, all, hus all husbands know, thank God for our wives, all right? And uh, behind every good man is a great woman. Come on, somebody. And she is, I look over all the time to her, especially if she sees me, because our wives, come on, spouses, you know each other. She knows when I'm struggling, I look over her, and it's just like a little, I stop time. Y'all don't even see, I'm like, help me. You know, and she's like, shut up, blah, blah, blah. You know, she started praying for me. So, uh, so help me preach. She'll be in when she gets there, but we're going to dive right in. Amen. So Matthew chapter seven, we've been on this beautiful journey. Let me just set you up real quick. Seven months started in February through the sermon on the Mount. It's been incredible. It's found in Matthew five, six, and seven for those who may not be familiar where it's at. And we started the whole journey by looking at the Beatitudes, which is the be like Christ, be attitudes, be the attitudes of Christ. And then we went into the Lord's Prayer, line by line the prayer, like the disciples, teach us how to pray. And Jesus knows how to pray. And not only that, after the Lord's Prayer, we went into a, a, a talk about fasting a couple weeks. And we learned that you don't have to be spiritually elite to fast, that actually God wants all of us, somebody say all, all of us to be able to fast and to make it a normal part of our lives and then last, most recently, you'll remember this, we learned how to do finances God's way. Come on, when we do it our way, we mess it up. But when we do finances or life, hello, when we do life God's way, it always works out. Because God's called us to be kingdom people, amen? Somebody say kingdom. kingdom. See, it's not about us, it's about him and his kingdom. It's not about us, it's about him and his glory, amen? And then along the way, as we talked about doing finances God's way, God also wants to deliver us from worry, fear, and anxiety as we trust in him. Amen? So it's been a powerful seven months. It's been a lot. And that's the great thing of technology. You can always go back and watch it if you missed it or you need to hear it again. Let me just say this before we read Matthew 7.1. Interesting note about Matthew 5 and 6. That all of 5 and 6 is all about the inside, the interior of a Christ follower. Somebody say inside. 
Come on, we always focus on the outside. But Jesus starts first on the inside. Here's what I know. The outside will always follow what's going on in the inside. So 5 and 6 is all about the interior of a Christ follower. As we go into Matthew 7 now, it's all about the exterior life of a Christian. And Jesus begins speaking to another very important principle, which is how we treat others, the people around us. And it's called the golden rule. You've probably learned it. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably learned the the golden rule back in kindergarten with your kindergarten teacher, to do unto others what you would like them to do to you. It's, It's called the golden rule. And And what we're going to just really dive in today, and I really want to encourage you to take notes uh, on your phone or whatever you got there. We're going to give you some really practical stuff. Today, we're going to really look at a hard subject, but let's go there together. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about judging Christians. Yeah, there it is. Judging. (laughs) Judging. In the 9 a.m., it was a long, judging Christians. And we're going to look at this whole thing of do not judge. And maybe, maybe we all got it a little bit wrong. And let's see what Jesus says about it. And before I read it, let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're already here in the room. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you, Lord, as we were singing it, declaring it, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's all about you, Jesus. Be the center of our lives. Even right now, we bring our attention into you and to your word. We silence all the distractions of life, all the pain points of life. We just silence it now in Jesus' name, and we open our minds and our hearts to hear and receive from you. And Holy Spirit, would you help me speak? In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Look down there, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7. Just five verses today. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Verse two, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard, somebody say standard. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry, come on, no worries, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Man, can you see the difference there? A speck is just a speck. I don't know if you've ever, ever got a, a piece of dirt or in your eye, just small, but you can just see it right there next to the pupil if you're washing it out or you're washing your child's eye out. And he's putting the comparison of a speck and a log And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, he says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well. Come on, we want to see well. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Amen? Amen. Do not judge. I would say that it has probably become uh, the most well-known popular uh, phrase, scripture in the Bible right now. It feels like, it's probably not true, 
But it feels like to me in the world that it's even more popular today than John 3.16. You know, we, we used to see it, and I still do at times. You watch a game or you go to some big, huge thing, and you see people holding the sign, John 3.16, and I always love that. But today, I hear a lot, do not judge. Don't judge me. Do not judge. Hey, the Bible says, I don't know where it is. I've never read it. But it says... Do not judge. I mean, honestly, it's become the most well-known scripture in the Bible today. It, it, it really feels like it's replaced John 3.16. And, and here's, here's what we have to understand is whether people know it or not, why is it that people love it so much? You know, why, why do they love saying, don't judge me? The, the Bible says, don't, don't judge me. And, and again, they might not even know where it is in the Bible, they, but they heard it somewhere. And I would say it's like this. It's because, it's because don't judge me means you're supposed to accept me just the way I am. Don't don't judge me. Don't don't judge. Do not judge. The Bible says do not judge. So you've got to accept me just the way I am. And then and it's almost like it's it's like all, you know, it's like all beliefs are right. All beliefs are right. Uh, I live the way I want to live. You live the way you want to live. Don't you dare judge me. You don't have the right to judge me. You might know what I'm talking about. It's, it's all out there if we're listening. And see, I would say this. The world says don't judge, but the world, I submit to you, and again, the world is not the enemy. Come on, we, there is an enemy, and it's not people. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but the world is the worst at judging others, even though the world is saying, don't judge. How do I know that? Because they will judge you, the world will judge you, and cancel you in a hot minute if you disagree with them. No longer do we come to the table and have dialogue of our disagreements. We don't do that anymore. We just let people have it. Online, out loud, at work. And then we say, don't judge me. (laughs) And so it's like we're, we're under this thing that is happening that God's like, I'm not a part of this. Most people are actually completely fine with judgment, I would submit to you, as long as they're the judge. But then it's like, but don't judge me. And, and I'm talking about the people of the world. And, and, and next Sunday, I'm really excited, Pastor Johnson's going to be here live in the building at the mill, and he's going to talk about how do we treat non-Christians. But today, I want to drill down on judging Christians and how we should really treat each other. And actually, what I just read in Matthew 7, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking to us. I want to, I want to uh, give you just the first two verses again uh, from the Amplified version. I love me some Amplified he says this, do not judge, right here on the screen. And that word there, don't, do not judge and criticize and condemn. And what he's saying there is other, it's like basically, uh, with, un, sorry guys, I can't talk this morning. Others unfairly, don't judge people others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority. As though assuming the office of a judge. Don't judge, don't criticize, don't condemn, so that you will not be judged unfairly. For just as hypocritically you judge others when you are sinful and unrepentant, so will you be judged and in accordance with the standard of measure that you passed out that judgment. Judgment will be measured to you. 
Ouch is right. (laughs) Many Christians, whether they know it or not, walk around with this self-righteous superiority, feeling that they have been licensed by the Holy Spirit to be the judge, jury, and executioner of others. And that's not Christianity. And by the way, we were never called to be the judge. There's one judge, and his name is Jesus. So uh, let's look at this together, the definition of judge, right here on the screen. To judge someone means to condemn. It, it might start with being critical, but it eventually is, you're condemning them. In your mind, you're punishing them, or in some way you may be punishing them. Uh, and it's to make a final judgment about them. We judge, I judge, we all judge. Listen, when we assume a motive to why a person does what they do. We don't know the reason why, so it's almost like in that moment we have a superpower as we judge them that we know what's really going on in their heart. Like we, we judge, we, we try to read their heart. We, 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 can't, we can't judge what's in someone's heart. We're not called to do that. We literally can't do that. We don't have the power to do that. Only God can do that. And when we judge each other, we play God. I, this, this came to me just yesterday. Like when we, when we judge people, it's like putting on, and where are the arms of this crazy thing? Uh, it's like we're putting on a, a judge's robe. God tells us to have the robe of righteousness on, but many of us have the the robe of a judge. And we judge one another all the time. And we we just immediately condemn them in our mind, in our heart, and with our mouths. And we, 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 we smack the gavel. We condemn people. We criticize people. Because why? Because we're the judge. We don't want to be judged, but we judge each other. Let me, let me give you just a few examples here. We, we smack that gavel, and we judge those who vote differently from us. How could you vote? What do you think? You want him? You want people. You know it's right. We smack that gavel and we judge our coworker because they're always late. You're asking for a raise, but you ain't gonna ever get one, Mr. Tardy. These are things we say in our mind or out loud or to other coworkers. We smack the gavel and we judge our neighbor who never mows their grass. It's like I'm gonna mow their grass. I'm gonna mow. Do I have to come over there and mow your grass? What's wrong with them? We have no idea what they're going through. But we judge them. Guilty. Here's one that hit a nerve. We smack that gavel and we judge those who vaccinate and those who don't. We smack that gavel. They wear a mask. They don't wear a mask. Oh, what's these people? Those. Call this room to order. (laughs) I'm liking the power right now for some reason. Take the gavel away from PC. We smack the gavel and we judge those who have nice houses and nice cars and those who don't. 
Well, if I had that kind of money, I'd tithe too. I'd be the first one given to future builders and what they're doing in the back property. If I had your money. Hello. We smack the gavel and we judge those who are short with us in the lobby who might ignore us but not mean to at work or wherever else. We judge them, call them out. What's wrong with her? She's always got an attitude. I can't help it for what's going on in her life. She lost her job. She don't have to give it on, put it on me. Here's one. This was my story way years ago. We smacked the gavel and we judged uh, an entire life by one worst moment. Now, this isn't my part of my story, but, but I'll give an example that I've heard many times. Well, you know, uh, he did get her pregnant back in high school. And we remember them when they were teenagers, and now they're in their 30s, but we judge them. You might know what I'm talking about. We, we, we believe, this came to me this week, and I wrote it down as fast as I got it. We believe we're walking around with our robe of judgment, with the gift of discernment. I discern right now. Walking around with the gift of discernment. By the way, there is no such thing as the gift of discernment. It's called the discerning of spirits. It's just flat-out discernment. But what we're doing is judging everyone, and behind us is a trail of broken hearts and broken relationships. There is such a thing as discernment, but discernment doesn't cause pain. Judgment does, or I should say judging. By the way, I'll just add one to another. Since we're talking about spiritual gifts, there is no such thing as the spiritual gift of criticism either. Critical criticize, criticism. We got to be a people that lift up, not tear down. Amen? Amen. Hey, we can disagree and still lift each other up. Amen? Come on. We're the body of Christ. I love Spurgeon. He's one of my heroes. And he said this uh, in one of his books. He said, do not indulge in the criticizing of others as if you were set as an authority and have the right to dispense judgment upon your fellow brethren. If you impute motives and pretend to read hearts, others will do the same toward you. Because what we sow, we're going to reap. And maybe if you're in the room today and you feel like you're always judged by people, the first thing we need to do is like, David, search me because maybe we're judging others first. I'm going to say it again. We are not called. Somebody say called. We are not called to judge. It's not our job. It's not our responsibility. Hey, it's one less thing we have to worry about. We're not, I'll just say this, we're not qualified to judge. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. Maybe Susan, I'm just making up a name, ignored us accidentally, but she flew in here coming to church. She had a horrible fight with her husband. She begged him to come. He said no, and she came to church anyway, and she came in late, and she didn't mean to ignore us, but she did, and we judge her. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. we got to take the judging robe off. We're not qualified to judge. We're not called to judge. Here's what we are. We're sinners saved by grace. And when we get the grace, if you, if you missed the message last week, go back and watch it. It was all about the grace of God because we can't do this without his grace. We receive his grace and then we give his grace to others. We cut each, each other slack. I'm going to give them grace. 
Now, don't let people take advantage of you, but give people grace. Amen? But we do have one righteous judge. He's the perfect judge. And one day, the Bible says, we all will be judged. I don't have time to go there, but you can write this down and go study it later. Hebrew, well, just one verse, but the whole context there, look at it. Hebrews 9.27 says this, it is appointed to men once to die. So you have one life, there's no do-over, and then we die. And then it says, but after this, judgment. So after we die, there's judgment. No, Pastor Chris, what is that judgment? It's the judgment between heaven and hell. And then if you go to heaven, there's another judgment, the Bema seat, where we will all be judged for everything that came out of our mouths and everything we ever did. God, help us. That puts the fear of God in me, and thank you. Anybody thankful for the grace, the forgiveness, and the mercy of God? Been washed in the blood. And somehow we think we have the right to condemn one another. Well, Romans talks about this because they were having a major problem of judging in the church there in Rome. And Paul says this right here. He says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you judge them? Why do you look down on another believer? Talk about in the church. Remember, hey, can I just say, just pause for a second, leave it on the screen. This is why a lot of people don't want to come to church is because they hear it and see it all throughout the week from Christ's followers. So Paul's addressing the church. Why do you condemn? If we're condemning each other, what are we doing to the world? So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we need to be reminded, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee, every knee, somebody say every, every knee, even those who say, I don't believe in God, they're going to believe in God that day. That's why we got to be praying for the lost, our lost loved ones, our lost family members, our lost friends and co-workers. We want to pray for them that they will be with us in heaven. They're watching you, by the way, more than you know, the lost are. And it says, yes, each of us, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let us stop condemning each other. Thank God my wife's in the room. Let us stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live. Somebody say live. Decide instead to live in such a way. Come on, I'm making a decision to take this judge robe off. But I'm going to live in such a way that I'm not going to curse, that you will not curse, that, or excuse me, that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I'm taking it off in Jesus' name. Amen? we got to take it off. And here's what happens in the church today. You know, you hear about uh, the spirit of heaviness, and it says to put on a garment of praise, right? It says put on a garment of praise when you're dealing with the spirit of heaviness. So take off that heaviness, put on a garment of praise. It's a metaphor, all right? A lot of times for the church, we come in here and we put on that garment of praise and we walk right out those doors and we put on a robe of judgment. And we got to leave it off. Leave the robe in the closet. Actually, just go ahead and burn that thing. Let me just say this to you. We, we quote John 3.16 a lot, but John 3.17 says Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He did not leave heaven to come judge the world. He, came, he left heaven to come save the world, to save the world. He will be the righteous judge one day, but he came on a man on a mission from the Father to save the world. He took all of my sins, all the world's sin on himself so that we could be in right standing with our heavenly Father. He came to save the world. Somebody say save. save. 
And so God wants us to be a people. We're his hands and feet. We don't need to judge people. God's called us to be a people who take them, take others to the Savior. But here's what Jesus did while he was on the earth. He had no problem calling people out. He would call out hypocrite. He would call out, he called religious leaders one time brood of vipers. Had to look that up. What's a brood of viper? You know, like snakes. I like snakes, like low as dirt. He's calling that. He's, he, and if we keep reading in Matthew chapter 7, false prophets. He warns us about false prophets. I got a story with that in just a moment. Well, let me ask you, how do you know who a hypocrite is? Or let's get more specific because it's later in Matthew 7. How do you know who a false prophet is? You make a judgment call by discerning by their fruit. You don't judge their motives. What God does say is you can righteously judge the fruit of someone's life. What does the Bible say? We will be known by our fruit. What does that mean? Our actions. Our actions speak a lot louder than our words. We'll be known by our fruit. We'll be known by, we should be known by our love for one another. 1 Corinthians 5 speaks of an instance. There's several in the New Testament, but I want to just highlight this. Go look at it. Uh, go read the whole story later when you have time. Maybe write that down, 1 Corinthians 5. But Paul tells the leaders in the church there to remove a man from the fellowship. That sounds kind of harsh. But if you read in between the lines and you take time reading the story, this man, this son, was sleeping with his stepmother, his, his father's wife. And the church was just letting it happen. People knew about it. They were gossiping about it. They were talking about it. And Paul said, enough. You need to deal with this man. You need to confront him in love. And again, as you read in between lines, you can see that he was confronted, the situation kept going, and finally he had to be removed from the fellowship because he was causing so much pain in the church. That's called church discipline. We don't like to talk about it, you never hear about it, but it's biblical. That we love people enough, come on, 11 a.m., we love people enough to address them when things get habitually, openly, blatantly unrepentant. And we go to someone and we go to someone, we don't want to do it, I've only done it a few times, it's the most painful thing I've ever gone through, but we have to address someone and say, you are causing so much pain in this church, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And, and why do we do that? We do that because we're here to love and protect the sheep. And, but what we got to recognize and understand is we got to always do everything in love. Now, I'm speaking to you of the extreme, but at the same time, when we call one another out, come on, we're not calling each other out to embarrass each other. When we go to one another privately, when we say, hey, are you okay? Hey, what's going on? You've seemed down lately. We're not talking behind their back. We're going to them privately. Hey, what's going on? And they're able to say, I'm hurting. No one knows but you, God, and them. And it's done in a God-honoring and loving way. Amen? But we love people enough. We love this church enough, Lisa and I do. This campus, Hamilton Mill, to deal with things that might cause deep pain in this church. I'll say it to you like this right here. We should always show people unconditional love, but not unconditional approval. Now, I, listen, I'll just tell them myself, there, there are times that I'm, I am flawed. I'm a flawed individual. Uh, I make mistakes at home, at here. And here's what I know about love. His love, the Father's love, is unfailing. But he does not always approve of an attitude 
or if I lost my temper or whatever it would be, his love is also going to call me on the carpet. His love is not always just chill bumps, you know, in the presence of God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your love. His love, when you want to grow with God, his love will also correct you. And we want that. Amen? And I'll just say this, going on the other side of the extreme as a pastor, Lisa and I, as I said, there's been a few times where we've had to remove people from the church. I've been in, I've been in ministry for a long time, almost 30 years, 27 years. Not proud of it, not bragging on it. Actually, it broke my heart to do it because I all knew these people, loved these people, but it had to be done. I'm thinking of just a couple instances where there was some young adult, most of y'all know, Lisa and I were youth pastors for over 20 years, and there were some young adult males praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. They were not praying with the girl, high school girls. They were praying on the high school girls. And we went to them. We confronted them in love. We talked to them. They went from one girl to another girl to another girl. I mean, everybody was angry at everybody. And it was crazy. And we did it privately. We never said it from the platform. We're not going to do that. And so we met with them. We had leaders meet with them. And finally, I was at the point of begging, stop. You're causing so much pain and hurt in this church and in this youth ministry. And they wouldn't stop and they wouldn't change. And finally, I sat down with them with a witness there and said, you got to go. You got to go. Oh, that's great. I was like, you got to go. Go on out with that if you need to, but go on. You got to go. And you may not like that, you may not agree with that, but we did that because we loved the sheep that we were there to protect. And I will tell you what, God bless those young men. I heard they got their, right, their life right with God later, much later, but I know this, when they left, that spirit left with them. That sexual, divisive spirit. I remember when we were in Nebraska, and uh, it was my first month of being the pastor there of that wonderful church. First month, that is not what a pastor wants in his first month. I'm like, really? And I found out there was a man going through the church giving false prophecies to people. Now, we believe in the gift of prophecy, words of knowledge. We believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. We're a Spirit-filled church. But also, there are false prophets. And I mean, he was causing confusion and pain with everybody. He would do it before service. He would do it after service. I remember one time he was doing it while I was preaching. And I was like, oh, if I could just come out of my body right now. The spirit of slap would come all over me to you as he's sharing a word. I got a word for you, brother. I'm like, no, you don't. That's a lie. I can't do anything. I'm preaching the word. Sorry, I just had a moment there. Father, forgive me. Leadership met with him. I met with him. I begged him to stop. Listen. And I said, why are you doing this? I just want to encourage people. You're not encouraging people. You're hurting people. You're causing confusion over a gift that needs to be operated in the church. I'm not going to do it, Pastor. This is what God's told me to do. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm sorry. Wrote the worst letter to all the leadership about me. Sent letters out to church members about me. But can I tell you what? That comes with the job. But when, that, when he left, God bless him, that spirit left with him. For the sake of the people. For the sake of the sheep. God tells us that we've got to be able to judge righteously. I'm giving you extremes, but I'm letting you know that's the type of people we got to be also with each other. We're not calling each, out, each other out to embarrass people. We're not doing it wrong, but we're like, brother, you're hurting. What's going on? Let's talk. Let's pray. Instead of gossiping about people, instead of whatever, judging people, we go to one another in love. I'm going to talk about that in a moment before we close out. And we deal with the speck. We deal with the stuff going on. We judge 
righteously. I'll just say this real quick just to make sure we're on the same page. Right here at Victory, there's some, there are some people that we will remove from this church. We will remove anyone that will threaten another person. Physically, harm, whatever else, you will be removed. We will remove someone who will continually try to sow strife and division in this campus. And we will remove anyone who tries to sleep around with multiple people in the congregation. I pray it would never get to that, but I'm, and I, I pray there'd be repentance way on the early, come on, on the front side. But if it ever got to that, we would remove them in grace and in honor, and we would treat them the way we want to be treated, but we would have to say goodbye. Why? Because we love you, and part of our job is to protect you. That's what a shepherd's supposed to do. And by the way, what if we all did that with each other? Instead of judging and gossiping about each other, about this or that, what we don't agree with, what if we all linked arms and we took care of each other? If we protected each other, amen? I believe we can be that type of a church. At times, Lisa and I have to judge what's going on and when this necessary, address it. Let me just say this. What if we didn't, let's just talk about this for a moment. What if we didn't address it? What if the, the, the extreme I just shared, what if I had not removed that man who was giving false prophecies? What if, I, what if I had not removed those young adults who were causing so many females? What does that say to people when you don't address it, when you ignore it? it, it you know, what does it say to the, the victim or those who have been hurt? I believe it says we don't love you. I believe it says we don't care. And I just want you to know, I'm going to say it again. We care for you, VHM. You're in a church, you're in a beautiful church, not a perfect church, but you're in a beautiful church that cares deeply for people and wants to see you move forward with God. Amen? And whether, we, whether it goes to the extreme or we go right here just one-on-one, we're going to do it all in love, in Jesus' name. Look right here. Love, bless you. Love is the proper motivation, look at this, for not judging people also and for using good judgment. There's a big difference. We're not supposed to judge people, assume motive to people. Do not judge people, all right? But also, if we're going to use good judgment about situations and circumstances, we want to do it in love, and we want to do it through love. Amen? Good judging is making a good judgment call about between what is right and wrong or good and evil. I'm going to make a judgment call. That's not right. All right? I'm not going to judge, but I'm going to make a judgment call. Do we see the difference? One is assuming motive. One is like walking into sermon and judgment saying, okay, that's not right. I can't stand for that. But I'm going to love people no matter what. As Christ followers, church, we are called to speak into each other's lives with a righteous judgment, not with a condemning judgment. We're always calling people up, not tearing people down. Come on. We're going to be a church that call people up. Amen. Call people higher. Call people to Jesus. Boy, it got quiet up in the 11 a.m. He's called us to call people up, not tear people down. We're really good at criticizing. Can I tell you what? We need to be constructive in nature. We need, if I go to someone or someone comes to me, you go to each other, we need to always be thinking of how I'm going to say this. I might need to say a hard thing, but I'm going to say it in a loving way. I'm going to say it in a God-honoring way, and I'm going to leave them built up, not torn down. Because God's not called us to be the holiness sheriff. 
I hope they got tattoos. They're going to hell in a bobsled. <laughs> no, please, no. You know why? Because Jesus said, don't judge by appearance. Right here, John 7, 24. He says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's with love. That's with grace. That's with humility. We are not here to condemn one another. We are here to judge lovingly and righteously and to call one another out of the pit of sin and up toward Christ-likeness. That what if we all did that? Not Pastor Chris from the platform preaching the word of, but what if we all, hey, come on up, come on up. I can tell you've been going through some tough stuff. I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you higher. We're not denying what we're going through is not real. We're just saying God's calling you higher because the enemy wants you stuck in a pit. How about this? Hey, I hadn't seen you in church in a few months. You okay? Uh, I'm just really struggling. Instead of telling everybody else, hey, we hadn't seen such and such in church. What's going on with them? Go to your brother. Go to your sister in love. How about this? Treat them the way you'd want to be treated. Don't judge. Don't assume motive. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. Can't tell you what, even some of your closest friends had someone recently tell me something. I was like, what? I was like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, I've just been really processing and hurting. I'm like, bro, you've got to tell me those things. Not because I'm Pastor Chris, but you're my brother. We've got to help each other out. I think more people would tell each other stuff if they weren't afraid they'd be judged. I'm afraid they're going to judge me. They're going to look down on me. No. We all got problems. Like Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. Hello? That's what Paul said writer of most of the New Testament. So how do we do this? Very quickly, very practical. How do we exercise righteous judgment? Not judging people the wrong way. How do we exercise righteous judgment? Number one, number one, we got to take the plank out of our own eye. We got to take the log out of our own eye. We're, we're very quick to point out people's faults, but we're very slow in dealing with our own. God help us. And yes, Jesus wants you to help. Jesus wants you to help others. Can you look at the difference of this right here? Jesus wants you to help. Get that splinter, or really the word speck there is very small in significance compared to the log. He wants you to help your brother or sister get the splinter out of their eye. But first, come on, we got to take the log. I can't even see on the right side over here. We got to deal with our stuff first. We got we to deal with our junk. We got to deal with our mess first so we can help others get the splinter out of their own eye. Who am I to judge them when I got a big old log in my eye? Amen? Look right here on the screen with this verse. It says this, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your own eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite, first get rid. Get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well. Come on, God help us be a people that see well. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. We are causing more pain because we don't deal with ourselves first. Listen, I, and I, I know, we all know we're not perfect, but we walk around acting like we are at times. That's what happens when you judge people. You're trying to take the place of God. When we judge people, we're acting like we're the perfect judge. 
And we walk around pointing out everyone's faults and mistakes. Why do we do that? Why do, why do we do that? Because we don't constantly be like David who said, search me, O God. We need to evaluate ourselves. And what we're doing is we got a big old two-by-four because we're not evaluating our, our heart every day. And it's hitting people as we walk around and knocking people out and wounding people. Boom, pow, pow, whack. That's what judgment does. I can't believe you voted Democrat this time around. Whack. Oh, I can't believe you voted Republican. Whack, whack. All these things just hurting people. Hey, I cannot read the screen. Hey, you don't. You don't look like you're worshiping. You never raise your hands. Whack. Why would I listen to you? You clearly aren't following your own advice. Whack, whack. You always look stressed out and tired. Whack. That never makes anybody feel good. I feel like I can't really approach you. Whack. I'm surprised they asked you to lead that team. You're always late to church. Whack, whack. You get it. They put tape on this for me on this service because I got wood dust in my eye last service and I had a speck in my eye. Thank you, production team. I was just thinking, that feels so good and comfy. Instead of scratchy. Let me say it to you like this, right? Look around the screen. Some of us need to realize the reason our spouse or our children may have a splinter in their eye is because they got it from the two by four in ours. We judge our spouses really good. Whack, whack, whack. And every time there's a bruise and a wound and a hurt. God, help us. God, forgive us. And then we need to go repent to our spouse and our kids. My kids know this. I'm good at repenting to them. See, we got to deal with ourselves for, first, church. Amen? And apply Jesus' teaching to ourselves first, and then we go to others. And it's not that we have to be perfect. Okay, i got to be perfect before I go help somebody. No, that's not, that's not what he's saying. But he is saying, deal with your stuff. And notice he t the, the, the significance of the difference. The log is much bigger than the speck. So de deal with the log. Deal with the plank in your eye. And then we can help others. How do we deal with that? Father, I repent. We humble ourselves and we move to number two. We correct our brothers and sisters in love. We correct our brothers and sisters in love. Somebody say love. love. I've already said it. It needs to be said again. Can't say it enough. We got to do it in a loving and a God-honoring way. When we correct one another, we got to do it in a loving and God-honoring way. How about this? We do it the way we'd want to be treated. Anybody been corrected wrong before? Okay. We all have. But we're not going to let that dictate how we're going to treat others. We may have been treated poorly by people who were treated poorly themselves, but we stop it right here, and we're going to treat people the way we want to be treated. How about this? We're going to treat people the way God treats us. God's so faithful, so full of grace toward me. I need to treat people in that way. The church needs more Christ followers who will lovingly and humbly call their brothers and sisters higher. Call them up. Come on. You can do this. Come on. We're not putting them down. We're calling them higher. 
We, know, we need more Christians. I'm just going to say it. We need to take the robe of judgment off. We need to get off our little high horse, and we need to get in the pit with them and help them get out of the pit. We need to get in the mud. If our hands get dirty, so be it, because we love each other. I'm going to get in there. I might get messy, but they're worth it. Someone did that for me years ago, and I'm telling you, every person in this room and those who are watching us, you're worth it. We got brothers and sisters sinking in quicksand, and they're sinking, sinking, and all we're doing is judging them why they're in the quicksand in the first place. We got to help them out. We got to help them out. James, one of my heroes, he says this, my dear brothers and sisters, so who's he talking to? The church. If someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Again, this isn't about when you go to someone to correct them in a loving, God-honoring way, in a humble way. This isn't about embarrassing them. This isn't about calling them out. This is about deeply caring for them. I want to see you out of this mess, and I want to see you moving forward with God. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because I love you. Because we sincerely love each other, and we want to help people along the way. And somebody might be here like, no one did that for me. Can I just tell you, the Father is faithful when man fails you. And we cannot let our past dictate how we're going to treat people. we got to treat people the way God treats us. we got to treat people the way we'd want to be treated. Amen? And we do it in love. How, how, so how, how do we actually do this? Here's what I would say to us. When you go to a brother or sister, I do this all the time for me, I need to remind myself that I'm a mess too. I'm a mess too. Hello. I'm a, I'm a mess that was saved by grace. How, how, do you, how do you go and help How do you help a brother and sister remove that speck, correct them in a loving, God-honoring way? How do you remove that that sin speck from their life? Well, the way we do it is we remember how gracious and merciful our God is to us and how he's been just so overwhelmingly gracious to us. Amen? Come on. If it wasn't for the Lord, most of us in the room would be dead today. And I'm telling you, look at at, this quote from Bodie Bauckham. He says this. It was God's mercy that woke you up this morning because his judgment should have killed you last night. We need to remember that when we go to another person. We need to remember it's the mercy of God that I'm here today. I'm not their righteous judge. That's God. I'm just going to go help a brother. I'm just going to go as a couple. We're going to go help another couple. And we're doing it because we love them and because God's been so good to us. And our life was a mess. And if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we'd be stuck in sin still. That's what people need to hear. We remember that we're on a journey too. Come on. We're on a journey of ups and downs and all arounds. And God will be there with us. He's never left us. He'll never forsake us. He's been there, and we're bringing that into the conversation. Come on. God was the one that reached us down and pulled us out of the pit. He put people around us to help us along the way, and that's what we're doing for others. Amen? That's that. We are sinners saved by grace, and it's that, that place is how we approach people. We come from a place of humility. We come from a place of overwhelm with the goodness and grace of God. We come from a place of mercy. I would not even be here today. And we come to say, I'm here to help. Can we talk about this? And when we go in that conversation, church, we don't say, look what you did. You hurt so many people with what you did. We don't come in a condemning way. You know what we say? Hey, been there, done it. Guilty as charged. I get it. I know why you're struggling. I get it. God rescued me. 
You know, the Bible says that he, will, he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Hey, you know what? He used others to help me. I'm here to help you. Let me help you. Come on, let's get out of the pit together. Amen? Do you see the difference? One condemning, putting down. One love. Man, I'm getting encouraged just by me saying this to y'all. Like, it's just encouraging. It's just, it's just helping. Let's, come on, let's go there. Let's get out of this pit. Come on, let's go there together. We treat people the way we want to be treated. We don't speak down to them in a condemning way. Come on. We lift them up, calling them higher to a Christ way. And we're going to be there together on the journey. Number three, final one, before we get ready to close. How do we do this? We get rid of the log, number one. Number two, we correct each other in love. And this is the one that nobody likes. Short and sweet, we also have to welcome correction from our brothers and sisters. We've not been licensed just to go to others and help others. Actually, God licensed all of us to help each other. And we, Jesus said, do to others what you would have them do to you. And so I need people to come help me, and I just want to give you permission, Victory Hamilton Mill and those who are watching this online. If I ever start getting funky or grouchy, which I am not that type of person, or pessimistic and negative, you would know right away that is not Chris. If I ever get off a little bit or, heaven forbid, start wandering from the faith or the truth, I pray that someone here or a whole bunch of someones would step in front of me in the path. You ain't going nowhere, pastor. And you would call me out in love, put your arm around me, turn me around, and head me in the right direction. Not only for me. What if we did that for each other? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do, to help each other, not judge each other. We should be welcoming, loving, helping, and correcting in love and humility and in a Jesus-honoring way. This isn't a one-way street where we get to correct each other. It's a, it's a two-way straight street where we want people to come to us. If they see something wrong, like, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Not, hey, what's wrong with you? But hey, are you okay? You seem down. Are you okay? I'm not okay. Can we talk? Can we pray? Come on, we, we, we need to welcome it. I welcome it. I love it when people come into the lobby uh, after service and, and they can tell, because we all, we all know each other, you know, and you can tell PC might be off today or it might be struggling. We, we all struggle, hello, including your pastor. Somebody might be like, Pastor Chris, are you okay? I'm like, you know what? I really appreciate that. I had a rough week. Thank you. Thank you for caring enough to say something. What if we did that to each other and to our coworkers and our neighbors? We grow by being corrected. The Bible says this in Proverbs 12. He says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> it's pretty plain and simple. We got to embrace the correction. Those who want to grow embrace correction. In a loving, Jesus, God-honoring way. Amen? We don't have to get defensive and angry. Hey, people say things to me all the time, and I know people say things to you all the time you might not fully agree with, but here's what I've learned. There's always a little bit of truth in there that I can take and apply to my life. Always a little bit of truth. I always just say to people, if they say something I don't agree with, I, always, I don't tell them I disagree. I just say, thank you so much. I appreciate taking the time to say that to me. And so what, what if we did that to each other? To be open, to be teachable, be correctable. Amen. I want to close with this. We're going to pray. 
on Wednesday, the Holy Spirit whispered something to me about this subject of being judgmental. And I want to say this. If you don't hear anything, maybe you just need to hear this. I truly believe, please lean in and listen to this. I truly believe many Christians and many churches are not seeing answers to their prayers because they carry within them a judgmental spirit. A judgmental spirit, as the Lord told me on Wednesday, is connected to death. We serve the author of life, the author of healings, the author of miracles. Life and death will not go together. And when you judge someone with your mouth and you assume things and you say negative things or you're critical, uh, uh, whether it's your neighbor across the street, your coworker, church member, whoever, when we do that, we are speaking death. And God does not honor that. And on Wednesday, we're in this room praying as a staff for you. And then a whole bunch of us were over in the other room on Wednesday night praying. And, and the Holy Spirit kept saying the same thing. I was in the staff and we were praying actually for healings and miracles. And wouldn't you know it, God started doing some crazy, awesome stuff this week. And, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me this. He said, Chris, a judgmental spirit. I wrote it down as fast as I could on my phone. A judgmental spirit will hinder people from receiving their healing. It will hinder you and I from receiving our healing. So what do we need to do? We don't need to watch our mouth. We need to guard our heart. It's not a mouth, it's not a mouth problem. It's a heart issue. How do I know that? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, what? Mouth speaks. We need to repent of being judgmental and condemning one another with our mouths. God won't bless it. James says this, he said, sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses, that word there is condemns, sometimes it condemns those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursing coming, pouring out of the same mouth, and he says, surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. God won't honor it. We need to repent, listen to me, we need to repent of listening to gossip. Because gossip in nature is judgmental and critical of others. We need to repent of it. We need to retire the judge's robe and not put it back on. We need to wear what the Bible calls the robe of righteousness. It's a metaphor, but we need to live right before God and not judging our brother and sister. Amen? We need to give this area of our heart to the Lord and resubmit our hearts and our mouths will follow. The mouth will follow the heart. We need to realign our hearts with Jesus. And in turn, even when we disagree with people, even when we disagree with what's going on, we're going to speak blessings. We're going to speak life. We're going we're gonna to give each other grace. And when we do have to go correct one another, we're going to do it in love. We're going to do it in grace. And we're going to do it in humility. And we're going to do it the way that we'd want it to be done to us. Amen? It's about our heart. Somebody say, my heart. It's not a mouth problem. It's a heart issue. Can we stand together? Today, God wants our heart in this area. We're going to close out singing a prayer, a chorus to the Lord. And I want to encourage you from the front to the back in this space right now. That God has got, God's been working me all week. I'm like, Lord, if there's some seeds of judgment in my heart, remove it in Jesus' name. I want it gone. That does not reflect you. It doesn't reflect your character. So if you're in the room all across this place, no one's looking around. It's too dark to look around. Focus on yourself right now. 
and your heart before the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we surrender our heart to you. And Lord, we repent. Come on, if you mean it, if you want it, agree with me. We repent, Father, of our mouths being loose and being judgmental and speaking negative of one another. Lord God, of being judgmental and critical of one another. Father, we repent. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We call it what it is, sin. Lord, we're sorry. Remove it from us. Remove it from our homes. Remove it from this house, Victory Hamilton Mill. Lord, we want to be people that speak blessings, speak life, declare healing, and receive healing. So in Jesus' name, come on, we break agreement with the spirit of judgment, and we come in agreement with the author of life, and we give you this space of our heart. We may have been hurt, we may have been wounded, but we have no right to judge a brother or sister. Forgive us, God. You can have my heart. My heart is yours. We say it, we sing it, we declare it. We walk out these doors. We're not going to put the judgmental robe back on. We're going to live with a garment of praise. We're going to live with a robe of righteousness. God, you can have my heart. Come on, let's sing it as a prayer to the Lord.